Your mic's not on. Oh, man, you see how bad I am with this? It doesn't take much for me to get rattled. That's all that was. Okay. So I guess uh, we got a couple of minutes, and then you'll you'll start the countdown. Right. And I need you. Yeah. Can you hear can you hear me? Yes, yes. Look in your look at the screen. Yeah. You are too far to your You need to move more towards the middle. The camera or you towards the middle of the screen. Much Is that better. better? Much Good. better? So, is it, am I, is yep. it too bright now? No, I don't think so. All right. I enjoyed the interview. I didn't see the whole thing because the whole thing was almost an hour. And I had to come running back for something today. Okay, let me close this. Uh, I'm like you. I want to get it just right, too. Believe me. It was very interesting to listen to you talk about describing the family because it's, it really sounded like you were talking about real people, which I guess is what a real writer does. But uh, it was very convincing. I mean, I couldn't believe you were talking about somebody in a book. Anyway, look, <laughs> uh, technically, we okay. I'm not too fuzzy and... No, no, we're good. It doesn't look we're very good. sharp at all, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not in a beauty contest. Um, let me see if I can lower these things. Just to, hang on. I wish I didn't have that game today. I would have put more time in. By the way, Dan, did you ever... Oh, I don't even have... Did you ever happen to see the movie called Hidden Figures? I'm sorry. It's called Hidden Figures. It's about these black women that are uh, uh, engineers. And yes. they worked at NASA. And they actually <laughs> were very important cogs in getting us to the moon. Yes. Was that a great movie? And, and that's what, uh, listening to you speak about the women, it made me think of that. Uh Okay, that's a little better for me to look at. Now, let me see here. I feel like I'm going blind sometimes, you know? And deaf. <sighs> Put on a little more light. All right, close enough for jazz, huh? See that? Does that screw anything up what I just did with the light, or is that okay? No, that's fine. Okay, good. Uh, let's see here. Dan, before I ask you what, what, why you wrote the book, or what made you write the book, and 
Uh, I'm gonna. I'd like to ask you if, if that's okay with you to tell us about PerkinsMedia.org. Okay. Like there's an overview thing, and also what the hell did I do with the note on that? Uh, this thing, moms. What the heck is it? Moms for what's it called? Moms across America. Moms across. I wrote it down. Why can't I find it? I'm very interested in that. Now, is that an organization or uh, that's no? That's just the name of a show. It's the name of a show. Okay, that's one of the show. It's a show that you produce, a TV show. Yeah, I produce it. All right, that's great. I know you want to stick mostly in the book, but I mean, I, I found that part quite interesting. Uh, These are both very articulate women who have a concern about their children and our children. The black woman, Vicki Tompkins, is the chairman of the Republican Party in El Paso, Colorado, Paso County, Colorado, which is the fifth largest county in the nation. And Annie Herbalist, she has a syndicated radio show out of South Carolina on Fridays. And I've known her, I've known her longer than I knew Vicki. But uh, Vicki was one of the original moms. And she's very smart, very articulate, as is Annie. No, Annie's, I, I enjoyed it. So for people who haven't been on t television or radio for very long, Annie's been on for a radio, but she never did television until she came to me. So this is a show that you're producing, yes, Moms Across America. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you produce TV shows, uh, you produce radio shows, or you, I know you do yes, commentary, yes. you write, you pretty much do everything across the board. I Just, write, I do commentary, I do appearances, you know, whatever. Like to have... Okay, no, I'll be fine. It just, I'm a perfectionist. I would have liked to if I would have written a whole thing down with bullet points. I just didn't have the time, Dan, um, okay. to do to do it the way I'd like to do it. But uh, you're the star <laughs> here, so that's all that's going to matter. Um, let's see, he just said, oh, I wrote some stuff down here. Actually. That's better. See, I'm still getting out the logistics of my office figured out. It's getting better. It's going to be very good. I know you want me to look into that camera. Uh, I'll do my best, but you're the star. It doesn't matter what the hell I do. Give me just a minute, Dan. Okay, so we're going to do the uh, 14 minutes, and then we're just going to stop, take a breather, and uh, say, how is that? And then continue, basically, right? You got it. All right. PerkinsMedia.org. Okay. We can go. All right. Whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm good. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Jiggy Jaguar Show. This is Roger Homefield. I'm simply sitting in for Jiggy today. But we do have one of Jiggy's more popular guests uh, back with us today, uh, Dan Perkins. This guy does it all. He's a prolific book writer. He's written nine books, including three children's books. Um, 
he does commentaries for, for TV, for radio. He writes articles, political articles. He pretty much does everything there is to do. And he produces uh, various shows, including one called uh, Moms Across America. I mean, this man's a great patriot. If everybody pitched into this country the way he does uh, regarding moral structure and teaching, boy, we'd sure all be a hell of a lot better off. And I'm going to ask about his newest book, which is called Sad Eyes. And the reviews on this are stunning. People can't put the book down. He talks about the book like it's it's in the first person. And uh, we'll get into that in a moment, Sad Eyes. But first, I want you to have a, a, more of a general uh, knowing about Mr. Dan Perkins. Um, and so, Dan, tell us about uh, PerkinsMedia.org. Um, I originally started <clears throat> with a single half-hour show about three and a half years ago, and um, we 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 got audience. Um, we lost audience because we got taken off of Facebook and YouTube, like about other people. Mm -hmm. So we started to rebuild, and and I decided that what we originally the original show was black and white. And it was designed to be, the, the show was designed to be a conversation between certain guests and myself about the issues of the day. And we wanted to create an, a show that allowed people to speak their mind without being intimidated because somebody didn't agree with what they had to say. And that caught on. We also decided that we needed to be able to provide a, a guest ample opportunity to express their opinion, not a three-minute or a five-minute segment, but actually a half an hour. And uh, But as we started to rebuild the network and finding our own distribution, we found people who were very interested in what we were doing and wanted to come on and have their show or start a show on the network so black and white didn't work anymore so what we decided to do is rebrand the organization to danperkinsmedia.org and now we have about 11 different shows that are on at various times throughout the week about four of them i produce the others are produced by the other production companies and they air on our show the idea is to try and build not only quality content for the audience to listen to, but for the idea of being able to express those ideas in a wide as market as we can possibly do. So we're working on building audience. We have uh, on several networks we're on with millions of, of viewers and listeners. Uh, we just signed up with Roku. We've got to build that station. And so we're finding that a lot of people are looking for conservative, fair and honest talk. And that's what we do. Well, that's exactly what we need. That's water for a desert. We need more Dan Perkins. We need to right. get you and your message out there as much and as loud as possible. We need right. wholesome common sense and and values. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you said something earlier, I saw in one of your interviews, you were talking about strength and sensitivity, being sensitive and having good morals. That, that's not weak. That's strength. That's strength. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we really need you out there. Um, now, you've done a lot of, uh, you did the three children's books, but you've also done 
thrillers and and books like that. But then you decided to do something uh, a little bit new uh, with this book, Sad Eyes. Uh, and I could tell the folks that it's about a young lady's uh, journey growing up the, during the period of World War II, but much, much better you tell them, Dan. Tell them about the, you know, the, the book, the young lady in the book and, and her trials and tribulations and why it's, well, just tell us about her. Sad Eyes was uh, a result of um, needing a break. I, um, from the time that I started writing in 2011, I always knew that I wanted to write a book on Lincoln, historical fiction. Mm -hmm. So I had written all these other books and I felt it was time to begin to write the, the Lincoln book. And so um, I began writing it. And it ultimately turned out to what the publishers call an epic, meaning that it's three volumes, 238,000 words. It's an epic or a doorstop, depending upon your persuasion. <laughs> well, while I was writing that, um, I took, uh, I've not had a, we just, we talked before, I've not had any real formal training in creative writing. And I, Lived in, live on, used to live on Sanibel and I live in Fort Myers because of Hurricane Ian. But mm -hmm. one in in November of 2010, uh, I was managing money and had been doing a paper newsletter for years. And I decided that I could be more timely if I could do an electronic newsletter. So we had this facility on the island called the Big Arts Center. And I went there and they said, no, they don't have anything. And I went to the colleges and universities in Fort Myers and they didn't have anything on media and websites and all that stuff. So I said, I got to find something to do because we're going to be down here for three months at least. And um, so I went back to the big art center and there was this course called an introductory course to writing mysteries and thrillers. It was three courses, three classes, two hours each, one week apart. So I said, what the hell? I'll, I'll sign up for it. The woman who taught the course has written 12 novels, all been published. And she told us in the very first session, she said, you will know within two weeks if you can be a writer. And I said to her, wait a minute, I can't even change my golf swing in two weeks. How do I know I can be a writer in two weeks? And she said, just trust me. I said, okay. So after the first class, I went home and sat down a little corner of our third bedroom where I had a desk put in and I started to write and I came up with the title of the book, knew that it was going to be a trilogy, three books instead of one. I knew who the primary characters were, knew the title, and I knew how each book was going to end. Wrote a thousand words. So I went into class for the second class and after the class I said, I'd like to talk to you. And she says, okay. I said, look, is it normal to be able to write a book, write 5,000 words in two weeks, know all the characters, the plot, know the title, and know how the book ends? And she said, no, it's not normal. I wrote the first book, The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, A Terrorist Perspective, in 90 days, in my first attempt. Got it published. Wrote the second book, America Rebuilds, after the terrorist attack. 
And then the third book was America Responds. And uh, so it was a trilogy. It says on every book, book one, book two, book three. Mm -hmm. After book three came out, about six months later, I start getting emails from people. I and mean, they say, Mr. Perkins, when's the next book coming out? And I would send them an email back and say, you understand that a trilogy is three books. And so they send me an email book, an email back and they say, Mr. Perkins, when's the next book coming out? So pressure caused me to write a fourth book in the city. I don't know what a fourth book in a trilogy is, but it's a trilogy <laughs> plus one or whatever. Anyway, I wrote the book and I'm actually writing now uh, the fifth book in the series. But I started writing the Lincoln book after I finished the trilogy. Needed a break. So I decided, what am I going to write about? So I went to Google and Google said, I asked him the question, what's the number one genre? Sells more books than anything else. I had no clue. And they came back. Two to one over the second place finisher is romance. I said, okay, so I'm going to write a romance novel. Never done anything like this before. Then I said, what is the time period most popular? World War II. So I was going to remind, I'd do a romance novel about World War II. Now all I had to do is figure out the characters, the story, the location, and everything, the rest of the story as this goes. But at the same time that that was going on, I was writing a lot of commentary about what was happening to, quote, the women's movement in the United States and the abandonment of women and girls by these women's liberal organizations. And I, I, and then we got into the transgender and boys saying they were girls and competing in girls sports and taking away scholarship money and all kinds of things. And later on last year started physically injuring the girls because they were bigger and stronger and faster. So I decided it had to be about a, a woman. And so if I'm going to write about the war, I got to write about the depression. That's part of it. So I decided to write about this woman, but I decided it was not going to be me who was telling the story. It's her telling this for her story. It's written in first person. So I started to write the story. The story is about a young woman who's born in Waterloo, Iowa in 1912. Beautiful, red-haired, green-eyed Irish lass. And when she gets into high school, she's matured into a gorgeous woman. And um, she has to make a decision. She knows that if she stays in Waterloo, even though there's a depression going on, she stays in Waterloo. She's probably going to have sex after the senior prom, probably get pregnant, and she's going to have three kids and she's going to spend the rest of her life in Waterloo. Not that that's a bad thing, but it wasn't the right thing for her. She didn't want to do that. So she made herself a promise. She she set a set of standards, no sex, period. Not going to happen. And uh, so she decides she wants to be a nurse. But she doesn't want to go to school in the, in the hospital in Waterloo. She wants to get out of Waterloo and go to the big city. So she applies to a St. James Hospital in Chicago. And she gets accepted. And her parents don't understand why she has to go to Chicago. And she's trying to tell her in a kind, tell them in a kind way, I have to get out of Waterloo. I have to go to a bigger city. And she gets admitted. 
and they agree that you can go. And in those days, you didn't go to college. You went to a nursing school. And her schooling was three years. And she went 50 weeks out of the year. She had two weeks off in August. And she worked the hospital every night and two shifts on the weekend to help pay, defer the cost of her tuition, room and boards, fees, books, and uniforms. With all that money coming in for working at the hospital, her total cost of going to school for three years, everything including except the transportation back and forth to Waterloo, was $90. Dan, you know, there's so much to talk about this book and just not what's in the book itself, but the ramifications, the women's movement. There's so many things. We're going to have another interview with you very soon. But for right now, tell the folks, where can we get your book? You can, you can buy it at Amazon.com. You can go on to danperkinsmedia.org and you'll find a, a bookstore and it'll give you the link for Amazon and also for the publisher uh, where you can buy it or you can get it at, you know, uh, books a million or whatever, or you can order it through your local bookstore. Yeah, and but, I don't want to screw this up. Is it danperkinsmedia.org uh, or just perkinsmedia.org? danperkinsmedia.org. Okay. All right. Well, look, uh, you've been a pleasure. I look forward to speaking with you again. We're going to have an interview uh, very soon, and we'll be able to get in some more things about the book. And it's been a pleasure, as always, to have Mr. Dan Perkins. Thank you, Dan. You bet. Now, um, you need to go, you need to go back and uh, we're going to recut the ending. Okay. Tell me what to do. Because, because you, you had this, the, the show finishing in 15 minutes. You were oh. going to say, we've been speaking with Dan Perkins, the author of a new novel called Sad Eyes. Here's where you can buy it. And he will be back to speak with him some more about the book in just a few moments. But uh, just explain to me what I did wrong. It wasn't countdown for 14. And at one minute I said about the book that was, I didn't do it the right way. Yeah. You, you, you ended the show. I ended it at zero. No, you ended, you should have ended the segment at zero, not the show, the segment. Oh, and then, okay. I didn't know this. And I told you, okay. And then after the segment, then sign off the actual show. No, not you, you sign off the actual show after the second segment. So what you're going to do is it's uh, uh, we've been speaking with Dan Perkins about his new book, Sad Eyes. Yeah. And he'll be right back with us in a, in a moment where we can continue the story. Oh. OK, so that's all we need and, to add on to that. You, you're going to plug that in and say, folks, you're going to speak. If, with you, the... if, if you if you give me that, I can cut it in. All right, let me just rehearse that. Uh, folks, we've been speaking with Mr. Dan Perkins. You know, like Mr. We've been speaking with Dan Perkins about his newest book, Sad Eyes, and we're going to be back momentarily to continue the conversation. Perfect. Is that is that, that about right? That's right. So then when you come back, when you're going to come, when you, we go live again or we're recording again, you're going to say, we've been speaking with Dan Perkins about his new book, Sad Eyes, and we're going to continue the conversation. So, okay. Dan, what do you what do you want to tell us next? So it's one show. I thought I thought the two segments were two different shows. No, no, okay. one show, two segments. One this show. This what happens. So you look, you see the green behind the ears, or you know. Uh, okay, uh, all right. So I'm going to read you the ending. Uh, all right, folks. You've already done the ending for the first segment. We re recut that. We did that. Oh, we already, already did the ending for the first segment. I don't have to re yeah. record that now. 
you already I already recorded it. We're we're there. We're just letting. The oh, you recorded work. it when I rehearsed it. You mean? Yeah, it was good. It was fine. So welcome <laughs> okay. back. So welcome back. So now I just have to welcome you back. I don't even have to record that. Welcome thing. Okay. back to the Jimmy Jaguar Show. We're talking with Dan Perkins, uh, author of a new book called Sad Eyes. And uh, tell us more about your story. All right. And I got to wipe these glasses. Dan, you would not believe it. I tried to wipe these things. It was like grease all over them. Hmm. Couldn't see anything. I don't look too washed out there. No. You look perfect as far as the contrast. Of it. Okay. Oh, now I can see. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, author, Welcome back. commentator. I know, I'm just waiting for she to go through some of the other stuff. Okay, I'll just get right into it about the book. We've been speaking. Yeah, uh, welcome back to Jimmy Jaguar Show. We're speaking with Dan Perkins about his new back, his new book, Sad Eyes. Yeah, okay. And we're continuing the discussion. Okay. Okay? Yep. As soon as I when see the ready, countdown. You ready to go? Yes. Five, four, Three, two, one. Hi, folks. Welcome back. We've been speaking with uh, Dan Perkins about his newest book, Sad Eyes. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Show. Roger Homefield sitting in for Jiggy. But most importantly, Dan, let's get back to your book. Tell us some more about the book, please. So our, our heroine decides, uh, and she takes a roommate in her second year who she believes has the same principles, values, moral integrity. Um, but they make a they make a pact when they come back for their second year. We spent the first year with our noses in the books 24-7 or working at the hospital. We didn't have any fun. We want to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they meet some boys and they go to baseball games and they go to dinner and they have fun. And, and then it, the vacation comes up and... Uh, they both leave. She goes back to uh, the roommate goes back to Brooklyn and she goes back to Waterloo, Iowa to visit her family for two weeks. And when she comes back in the first week of September, her roommate isn't there. And he doesn't she doesn't know what's going on. And so she goes to the headmistress at the school and said, uh, where, where is where is my roommate? And she's not here and she won't tell. Mary Ellen, anything about what's going on. Mary Ellen gets a handful of quarters and goes out to try and call her roommate. And she calls and calls and calls and gets her mom, never talks to her roommate. Finally, she gets through and the roommate answers the phone. And she's, where are you? And she says, I'm pregnant. And I can't come back to school. They won't allow me to come back to school pregnant. So my tenure at St. James nursing school is over mm. and I'm going to keep the, keep the baby <clears throat> or so she says, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to nursing school. So the very thing that Mary Ellen was concerned about as a sophomore in high school is exactly what happened to a roommate. So she got a new roommate who had the same problem with her roommate. She got pregnant and left school. So they, they, they decided that, Making a contribution and, and developing yourself as a human being was most important. A moment of sex that could cause a pregnancy could change your life forever. And they didn't want that. So um, she finishes her schooling 
as a, as a gets her nursing certificate, and the head of the nurses in the hospital suggests that she needs to go to back to school to become a charge nurse. In those days, a charge nurse was responsible for taking care of educating, training, and helping all of the nurses on the floor that she's responsible for. And she thought about it. She hates the winters in Chicago. They're worse, they're colder than the winters in Waterloo, Iowa. But she finally decides to go back to school. And <clears throat> just to let you know, I'm not giving away the whole book. I'm still <laughs> early, early on in the book, but it, it's intriguing. So what happens is she goes to LaSalle University in Chicago to enter into an RN program, which will get her a charge nurse rating. So she's sitting in the library one day and she looks over and this guy is just staring at her. I mean, unbelievably. Now understand that this is a classic Irish lass, red hair, green eyes, and a figure that won't quit. And so he finally gets up and comes over and introduces himself. And she tells him who, who she is. And she says, what do you do? And he says, uh, I'm an FBI special agent. Really? And she doesn't know whether to believe him or not. And he shows his, his badge and his credentials and says, there a place where we could go and talk out of the library because you can't really have a conversation in the library. So this is a coffee shop. And she picked it because they could sit at a table in the middle of the coffee shop. Any trouble happened, she could get away. They go there and they sit down and have coffee. And he introduces himself and and he's from Washington, D.C., but he's in Chicago on a special assignment because in 1936, here comes the history. In 1936, the Congress passes a law and the president signs it that forbids individuals and corporations with trading arms and ammunition with the enemy. And the FBI has discovered that they believe that the mafia in Chicago is running guns and ammunition to Mussolini and his army in Italy. So they want to use her and her gorgeous figure and red hair and green eyes as bait to take to these meetings and dinners. And she's a little embarrassed. She says, okay. And they take her down to Carson Pearson Scott exclusive department store and they totally change her over into a, a, a Greta Garbo with red hair. And they give her a whole new wardrobe and makeup and everything. And so she goes to luncheons and some social things. And she's invited to this with the with her FBI agent friend to this meeting in a very fancy hotel in a private dining room in downtown Chicago. And the head of the mafia has never seen her before. But she's got on this amazing dress that she's figured out the way it's cut with a deep scoop. If you bend over more than 45 degrees, everything comes out. So she had to practice not going past 45 degrees. Anyway, so um, the guy comes walking up and says, you're having dinner with me. And she goes up and sits next to him and they talk and, and he's, she asks him what he does. And he says, well, I, you know, I run a little whiskey and other things. And um, so what else is going on in your life? And, he said, you know, there's going to be a war. I said, she said, yeah, I, I think you're right. Why do you, what is that important to you? He says, well, we're trying to help our friends overseas to give themselves, 
the ability to to protect themselves. And in fact, we've got a shipment going out of at Pier 29 in Chicago tonight. And boom, all the doors open tonight. up. The FBI agents come in and arrest everybody, including her. And uh, she uh, goes to jail and they let her out because she's, she's one of them. And um, she comes out of this experience excited, but also exhausted and she decides I'm leaving. I'm leaving Chicago. I'm getting on the next train. I don't have a place to stay. But her roommate, her third year roommate, is in San Diego, and she calls her. And says I'm coming. I don't have a place to stay or a job. She said, "Don't worry. You can stay with me. I got an extra bedroom. And if you don't get a job within 24 hours, I'd be very surprised." So she gets on the train. She's going to stop in Waterloo to see her see her parents. But then she takes the train across the country through the towns to see the impact of the depression, boarded up houses and farms mm -hmm. and stores mm -hmm. and, and people living in shanties and living on the street. So you get a sense of not only what's happening economically in the country, but also what she's doing to become a patriot. Mm -hmm. And that's a very broad overview of book one. Book two will be out at the end of this month. And it takes... For, Book one goes from 1912 to 1939. And then 1939 to 1953. And it's a love story because she meets a guy in San Diego. And when she, and he's a, he's a cadet fighter pilot for the Navy at, uh, at a training school in, and he's uh, wants to be a, a Navy fighter pilot and he hopes to graduate and they date each other for a while, and all of a sudden he disappears. She doesn't know where he is. He doesn't leave her a note, doesn't call, doesn't do anything. And he finally comes back and he said, I couldn't tell you because we are, our whole squad was, was being assigned to England to work with the Royal Air Force to do oversight flights in Germany to see what was going on. She goes to Hawaii, she joins the Army, Air, Army Nurse Corps, gets transferred to Honolulu, and he brings his entire squadron, gets brought to Hawaii to help guide the 120 ships that are in Pearl Harbor, including four aircraft carriers. They fall in love. They get married on the 28th day of November in 1941. They're on their honeymoon, two-week honeymoon, on December the 7th, when they wake up to the noise of the Japanese fighters and bombers crossing across the island to headed to Pearl Harbor to attack the ships. And they get up and he says to her, let's come back in a year and finish our honeymoon. She drives him to the airport so he can see if he can find his plane, if it's still there. She goes to the hospital where she's in charge of triage. And he goes and takes off. And a week later, she gets a telegram from the War Department that her husband is missing in action. And I'm not going to tell you anymore. Well, you know, you really bring these people to life in a, in a huge way. We just have a couple of minutes, but I want to squeeze in a couple of thoughts that I've seen sure. you mention that I think are, are important. That one of your motivations for writing the book is that you felt that women didn't really have uh, enough heroes and that right. they needed a book with moral values and something that was worthwhile. And 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 the fact that you're very sensitive to the treatment of women, and you don't know why 
women's organizations like now or, or any women's organizations have have seemingly gone AWOL. Uh, but let's move on. Tell the folks about the lessons learned. This is something else different about the book that at the end of every chapter, you have something called right. lessons learned. Go ahead. Sir. I wrote this book in first person. Her story, not my story. I'm not telling a man telling a woman's story. I have the woman, the nurse, Mary Ellen, tell her story. And at the end of, when I sent the book off to the publisher, it was, he was, she was considering it. She called me back in about four days. And she said, this is amazing. At the end of each chapter, there's a narrative that she puts in called Life Lessons Learned. And it deals with the chapter that you just read. What did she learn and how did she apply it in her life? and in the people that reported to her and the people that she reported to. Every chapter has a life lesson learned. And this is a, a, a way in which we can develop her character, but also young women can also understand some of the things that they have to do to be successful in their lives. You know, folks, wouldn't it be nice if these are the kinds of books that our public education system had in the libraries instead of uh, drag queen hour for example, not to be disparaging to anyone or anything, but my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't it just make common sense to have a good moral sense, a center? And uh, I can't think of anything better to get that across than uh, than a book such as this, Dan. Well, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, my wife told me after, my wife is my principal editor. She thinks it's the best book I've ever written, at least so far. And, um, and, um, and I, I talked to my publisher yesterday, we're selling copies. The reaction seems to be very favorable. So we'll get real hard numbers probably in April. And I just think, um, it's a story that it's the right time. It's the right story and the right people. And I think it's, it's, I had a lady who wrote a review for it. She said, I don't understand how a 78-year-old male can write with a, a voice of a young woman and get it right. Dan, we just have seconds left. Tell everybody, where can we get the book? You can go to danperkinsmedia.org and go to the book on there, click on it. It'll give you the link to Amazon and the, the publisher where you can get it. You can also get it at Books A Million and Barnes and Noble and all the other places, or you can go to your local bookstore and order it. And uh, said book two will be out just towards the end of January. You know, I've got so many more questions I would like to ask you. I'm going to speak to Jiggy, find out how soon you're going to be back. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you more in depth about some of these things. Uh, folks, we've been speaking with uh, Dan Perkins of danperkinsmedia.org. And uh, he's got a lot of great books. His latest book is Sad Eyes. Everybody loves it. They can't put the book down. And uh, we hope you'll take a look at it too. Uh, this is the Jiggy Jaguar Show. Roger Homefield sitting in for Jiggy. Dan Perkins, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me on. And we're done. Dan, did I do it right though? I left the third. I didn't know if I was supposed to give the sign up when it reached zero or before zero. <laughs> No, it's you did it. You're you're fine. You're fine. So what I'm gonna, should, should I have done it after zero the sign off or or before it reached zero? You did it. You did it fine. You did it okay. fine. Don't worry. About All it. right. Um. So, 
I think I'm supposed to send Jiggy a, a tape of the both the video and the audio. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll do that this this evening and send it to him. And um, thank you for your 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 interest and your uh, your passion about what you believe we should be doing, which I think you're spot on. Well, I and, think you're uh, passionate, and I, uh, you know, I, like I say, I'm sorry I didn't have more time to. I know it was a few days ago I knew about it, but I've been like slammed. It's really been hectic, and so I was. That's why I was nervous about the logistics of it. And you've been a real champ about that. Um, all right, Dan, I really appreciate it. Now, I, I, I assume I'm not supposed to do another 15 minutes for Jiggy now. I have no idea. Uh, I have. Uh, no, I don't think so. I guess not. No, no. All right. Dan, thanks a lot. You've really been a great yeah. sport. You you really coached me through it big time. I hear all your notes and everything, and uh, you did a great <laughs> job with me. You really, really did. Bravo. Thank and the you. one thing I wanted to get to, I didn't want to throw it into the last second because it's too heavy, but it's a big piece, and people overlook it. They overlook it when they talk about uh, the rise in anti-Semitism, but you didn't overlook it when you talked about the, the treatment of women. They just very well also have something to do with the increased Muslim population. Now, people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Right. It's true, Absolutely. you know? So uh, anyway, so maybe, so next I, time. I, I want to tell you one, I was debating whether I was going to say this on the show. I decided not to. And I can't give you any particular reason why I didn't. I was sitting talking to a friend of mine. Um, as I told you, I, I write a lot of commentary, and I did a commentary on what what happened to the Jewish women and girls uh, in the Ugh. attack from Ugh. Hezbollah. And I, I said, I have written a lot of stories about what happened as we talked a little bit about the women's movement disappearing. And he said something that really struck me, and I, I'm still looking for an opportunity to use it. I don't know where I'm going to do it. I may do it in a commentary. But he said, Dan, if you look back over the history of the women's movement, it flashes and then it disappears. Mm -hmm. Where's the We Too movement? Yeah. Where did it go? Where, where did where did the 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 day after President Trump was inaugurated and you had the 400,000 women in the pussy hats. What happened? Right. Where did it go? That's right. and, and what happened to Hillary Clinton and all these others uh, when they're uh, uh, cutting school girls' noses off in, uh, by the Taliban because they want to go to school? Uh, or, you know, there has been no defense of the women's situation in Muslim countries by any of our female politicians. It's so hypocritical. It's disgusting. They don't say a damn word about it. They let their fellow women suffer and be tortured, literally. 